been working downstairs. We've got, uh, they'll be doing some concrete work out in the back. We have uh, a water encroachment problem that was in the area that's in a sump pump that's out actually behind the building, but it has brought water into the bathrooms, boys and girls bathroom downstairs. And so we've been tearing that out and replacing it. Actually, uh, <coughs> several uh, months ago, um, Brother Larry, uh, my wife asked him, she said, Brother Larry, just go through the church and tell us what all we going to have to work on. And that was number one on the list. And so, uh, uh, of course, it, it, it's, um, it, anyway, hallelujah. And it's uh, for those of you who would like to uh, give us your expert advice or opinion uh, on how to remedy some of those problems, we are open to any suggestions. It's, uh, there's just, um, the Lord's been good. We have a great facility, but unfortunately, <clears throat> I'm thinking it's, um, approaching um, 50 years. And uh, like any facility, you have to update, check, change, whatever. So uh, <clears throat> it, we're gonna, uh, you may wonder, I'm not taking another offering tonight, but you may wonder sometimes, well, I put in $5, what happened to it? I promise you we have a lot of places to put it and a lot of places that need attention. And we're thankful. We've been, uh, we're in the black. We paid for everything. And so God's been good. Amen. And uh, we know that uh, it's not because of, you know, that we have several multimillionaires, but we have people that love God and love the house of God and are willing to uh, help and work and pay and and uh, be faithful, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm going to, uh, we are growing apostolic <laughs> legacy, and uh, I'm going to talk about grace beyond your limits. I had us put that other verse up where it said, you know, that saved by grace. And everybody in here would say, thank the Lord for the grace of God that brought salvation. Amen? And we would all say, if it were not for the grace of God, uh, you know, it, it is, in fact, as, um, you know, a major song that we all know and sing, it is amazing grace. How sweet the sound that, what, saved a wretch like me. And I, I believe in the grace of God, and I believe in the saving power of the grace of God. And I know that it is not by our works, it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but I would like to expand your thinking maybe for a little bit tonight about the grace of God, because it is not simply just something that happens at the moment of salvation. It is not simply just something that occurs one time and the kindness, the mercy of God, and we are saved. Because Paul wrote to 
the believers who were Hebrews, and he said it like this in Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Now, you remember, for those of you that are here on Wednesday night, you're Bible scholars, and immediately all of you thought, Hebrews 12, I know where that is. It's after Hebrews 11, you got it. See, I knew all of you knew. Hebrews 12 comes right after Hebrews 11. And now all of you thought, I know what Hebrews 11 is. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. By faith, by faith. Without faith, it's impossible. Faith, 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 faith. Hebrews 11. How many knew that to be true? All right, if you don't, Go back home tonight and read Hebrews 11 because it's important. Now, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to mention that we will have, uh, we have some uh, young folks uh, that are in, we're going to try to help this Christmas, make their Christmas a little better. And I think Sister Michelle Gastineau has some sizes and there are some cards there that you can pick up and we won't, you can bring it anytime, but uh, mainly, especially for the 18th of uh, December, but that gives you about a week and a half. Uh, and she asked me to mention that and I have, I neglected to do so. Please forgive me. Anyway, that's uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder. And faith, and faith, and faith. And then Hebrews, the 12th chapter, opens up. And we're going to read a, a, a good deal of that. But it gets down to the 14th, 15th verses of this 12th chapter. And Paul said it like this, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord and he says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the, what? Grace of God. Now, how can you fail of the grace of God? The grace is, if, you, if grace is only the saving grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved, well, how can you fail of the saving grace. So I would, I would say to you that this idea of grace, it's bigger than just salvation. And I will explain to you what I meant. He said, lest any root of bitterness. Now these are people, he, this was Hebrews that were believers. And, and these were people that were already saved. He knew about the saving grace, but he said, I don't want you to fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Now immediately you can note in the 14th verse, it says, follow peace and holiness. And what is peace? <clears throat> peace uh, that we would say uh, in the midst of a storm. Peace is a harmony. It's uh, a concord. It's, um, you know, uh, if, if you're new age, it's you're in your chi, you're in your zone. You are uh, peaceful. You are 
in a place of tranquility. Follow peace with all men. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever felt like you were in turmoil or not. Most of us would have to say we have been. We have not been in our place of harmony. And, you know, I know, you know, they talk about meditation and chanting and, you know, just sitting cross-legged somewhere and saying, Om, just feeling in oneness and in harmony. And most of you would go, well, I'm, I don't do that. I don't either, but you know, that you're trying to follow peace, trying to get into a zone. Now, most of us, though, uh, that's, that's hard. And if you are trying to do that through meditation or whatever, you've got to, you know, put on the rainforest or you've got to put on the ocean sounds and you've got to lay there and block out everything and, uh, and try to meditate and to get into whatever zone you can get into. It's not something that just, you know, you wake up and you're just in a peaceful uh, moment. And, you know, it seems like from the first uh, news report or from the first phone call, you can be frazzled. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And yet, Paul said, follow peace with, and now this is really tough. <laughs> Even those that meditate, they do it usually one-on-one, -on -one, I mean by themselves. You know what I'm saying? And, or they go to a class and they, you know, everybody chants or whatever, but everybody's doing the same thing. But Paul expanded that to say, follow peace with all men. And you probably don't meet the kind of people that I meet on a daily basis. But I can tell you for me, it was hard to follow peace with them. Everybody that I meet, I, I can't say that I leave feeling in the zone. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you get a phone call and no matter what's on the other end, you just go, that's wonderful. How peaceful. Huh. Pastor, you're out there in la-la land. Well, he said, follow peace with all men. And then to make it even exponentially harder, he said, and holiness. <clears throat> what is holiness? Holiness is consecration and purification, the sanctification of my heart and my life. And when I get out of my zone, sometimes it's easy not to be very holy. Now, maybe for you, you are able to say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
and be gracious to you. Maybe you are able to do that. Or maybe you are like me. At times I fail of the grace of God. In other words, I get overwhelmed. And what's amazing is in this 12th chapter, Paul literally begins to go through things that will overwhelm you or that will make you not peaceful or that will try your holiness, if you will. And he starts off in the first verse of the 12th chapter. Remember, this follows on the heels of the faith chapter and you all can turn to Hebrews 12, 1. You probably can quote it, but it says, wherefore seeing we are also compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every, wait, everybody say wait, and sin, everybody say sin, which so easily, doth so easily beset us or overwhelm us. What are weights? What are sins? <clears throat> Those are two of the things that can leave me not very peaceful. Weights, worries, anxieties, distractions, problems. Don't want you to show, show me, but anybody ever had any of those? Things that just weigh you down? Things that just overwhelm you? may not be that it's evil, it cares of life, whatever you want to call it. But Paul said, lay those weights aside. <clears throat> but you don't understand. I, I need to worry about this because if I don't worry about it, no one will worry about it. If I don't take care of it, no one will take care of it. Oh my Lord, I'm stressed out. And yet he said, lay aside every weight. And then weights aren't necessarily sins, but then he said sins. <clears throat> sins, anything that can trip me up and get my eyes off the Lord. Things that I... Shouldn't do things that I, I know I shouldn't, should do and I don't do. Here it is. I'm faced with carrying around my sins, my failures, my mistakes, and the enemy knows how to pound those at me. Say, well, you're not this and you're not, I thought you were this. And what does that do? It weighs on my mind. It overwhelms me. Oh God, I'm sorry. But rather than repent and plunge into the grace of God, if I'm not careful, I justify it. Well, it's not as bad as this one and it's not as bad as what somebody else did. And I know, I know I shouldn't really do that, but by the same token, you don't know how they treated me and 
I had to just tell them, you have to understand, I just had to because that was the way it was and I, yes, I might have said a few things that I wish I wouldn't have said and I might have acted a few ways and I might have shake, shaken my fist in a way that I wish I wouldn't have, but you, you just don't understand, Pastor. Paul said, you've got to lay those down, the weights and the sins, and keep your eyes where? On Jesus. And run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Now, maybe... Those haven't bothered you. Weights and sins don't bother you. Paul keeps going and he runs into the next verse. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. <laughs> so maybe weights don't bother you. Maybe sins don't bother you. Maybe you've passed those tests. Let me read that verse that was in the King James Version. Consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself. That's King's English, and it's good, and it works if you break it down. But let me read it to you in the Amplified Classic where it says, Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Have you ever felt like you had people that were in direct opposition to you? Grievous opposition, bitter hostility? Amplified says, reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials. Well, you don't know. They have gotten on my nerves. They've done this. They've said that. You don't understand what all they've done. You don't understand how they've treated me. They've cursed me. Oh, Jesus got that. They've lied on me. Oh, Jesus was lied on. Oh, they betrayed me. They betrayed my trust. Oh, well, Jesus had a little of that. Well, they beat me. Wow, you've had it rough. But guess what? Jesus had that as well. They mocked me. They laughed at me. They put a robe around me. They put a crown of thorns on my head. You've had it tough. <coughs> but guess what? Huh? <laughs> they put me on a cross and killed me. Wow. You've gone through just what Jesus went through. Don't you feel good? Remember the early church? They thought it was great to be counted worthy to... <laughs> I guess as I go through some of those lists, my opposition that is so great 
as it starts comparing to him, tails off. Anybody? He says, <laughs> in the Amplified, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. So maybe weights didn't bother you and maybe sins didn't bother you and maybe it was just opposition. You know, the old joke about the minister who said I'd be a great pastor if I didn't have to pastor people. You know, the lady comes in and says, honey, you got to go to church. And the guy says, nobody there likes me. Nobody speaks to me. Nobody talks to me. People are mean to me. She said, I know, but you're the pastor. <laughs> ha ha, you know. But anybody ever felt any opposition? Except it pales in comparison to his opposition. Let, let, let me go on because maybe weights, maybe sins, maybe opposition is not your thing. Maybe it's <clears throat> chastening. Maybe it's correction. Because everybody loves to be corrected. At two years old, it begins, and let me tell you, at 102 it's still there. Huh? Who are you to tell me? Now maybe you've never had that feeling. But Paul goes into that. He says, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? And he begins to talk about chastening. And I guess my question to everybody is... How does God correct us? You wake up one morning and the Lord is standing at the foot of your bed saying, naughty, 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 you shouldn't have done that. Probably not. <laughs> it's probably someone says something and someone makes a statement and how does God correct us or direct us or instruct us through his word and I, I pick up the Bible and I read and whew, man, that, I, don't, I don't like that verse. Huh? And I feel like God saying, okay, you better get it together, buddy. Now maybe you've never felt that. And being the adult that I am, I immediately say, thank you, Lord, for that correction. Or do I say something like, well, what about? I mean, this isn't really fair. So whatever the circumstances are, whatever people, and 
if you're not careful, it's easy to resent the correction and get bitter. And I know I've had people say, Pastor, you can tell me anything. And I think, yeah, but I'm going to be very careful how I tell you anything. Huh? Because you're human like everybody else. (laughs) And you and I and not too many people want to be corrected. I've had people come to me and go, what do you think? And I've just said, okay. I'm going to kind of move aside from that question. Because <laughs> what I think, it may not be what you want to hear. <laughs> Anybody understand? Uh, I, I mean, I, I try to tell people and be nice and all, but... Why? Because if weights don't get you, if sins don't get you, if opposition doesn't get you, somebody's going to cross you with something or the Lord will cross you and you're going to feel like, well, this is unfair and we've probably all been there. And then that's when he hits 14th verse after he talks about the chastening, follow peace, with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And he says, peace with all men, peace with people. I can follow peace sometimes in the midst of circumstances, but get a few people. And in this hour, I mean, whatever election it is, it's almost split, 50-50. Everything is 50, everything is angry. Everything, and then this is the hour in which it's easy to get in conflict with people, with parents, with children, with coworkers, and get all torn up about it, all stressed out about it. And I'm sure those of you that are working on a job can tell you that even more so, even today than any time, it just seems like people are a tinderbox, huh? Waiting for a match. And boy, they're zero to a hundred. They're overwhelmed. And it's hard to maintain internal harmony and peace and maintain my Godward consecration and separation from weights, from sins, from opposition, from chastening, from people. People, a source of all potential bitterness. I don't like the way they did the foyer. I don't like the way they've got that Christmas tree and they didn't decorate this one. I don't like... Just people. I can't believe. One of those in that list, weight, sins, opposition, chastening, or people have the potential, one or more of those five, of making you bitter, of making you angry. 
of making you frustrated. This list basically covers about everything that happens in life. So you say, well, pastor, what is the antidote? Everybody say it. What is the antidote? Grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. Let me read the 15th verse again. Looking diligently. Where? Looking diligently where? At other people? I'm going to tell you, I can find everybody else's flaws on the block. It's not looking diligently. That's not what Paul was saying. Looking diligently at everybody else. Looking diligently at your at sins, at weights, at opposition, at people. He wasn't saying that's what you need to look diligently at, but he was saying looking diligently where? At me. Lest any man fail of the grace, lest there be any root of bitterness springing up and troubling you, and thereby many be defiled. So when weights and sins and opposition, chastening people are overwhelming me, where do I have to focus my look, my eyes? You can keep looking at your sin. You can say, I'll never break this habit. I'll never be able to do it. I, I can't do this. I can't, I'll, I'll never be, I, I've tried, I've, I've tried, I've prayed, I've asked God, I've felt deliverance, I've stopped, I can't do it. Get your eyes off of the sin. Get your eyes on the grace of God. Not by my might, nor by my power but by your spirit. I'm sick and tired of people, they're overwhelming me, chastening, whatever it is, I've got to get it off of me and I've got to look at the grace of God. Am I still thankful? Am I still appreciative? Am I still humbled by his grace? Do I still sing amazing grace? How sweet the sound. Am I humbled by the grace of God? Am I so thankful for what God has done for me? Or am I caught up in all the things that are happening to me? Now, let me tell you, I'm going to show you why I believe that this is this expansion of grace. Remember, Paul wrote himself about He said it like this, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me. Now, he never says who gave it to him, but he believed it came. And so he either thought the devil gave it or the Lord gave it or the Lord allowed the devil to give it. Ultimately, he believed that the Lord was in control. He said, there was given to me, what? A thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. That I, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice. Actually, thrice in the original Greek, 
it's not just three times. It, it, that word that they interpreted thrice is multitude, more than two times. Could have been 33 times, could have been 43 times, could have been four times. But he was seeking the Lord that it might depart. And what did the Lord say? My grace. My grace is sufficient. Not salvation grace. Paul was saved. But this expansion of grace, the presence of God, for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly. Therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It was almost as if Paul was saying, God has deliberately put me in a position that requires his grace more than my strength. Is that reasonable? Paul goes on to say, when I am weak, why? Because he was saying, when God puts me in that place where I realize I can't do this, it's beyond my ability. It's beyond my limit. And then I step where? Into the grace and say, God, without you, <laughs> I can't do this. I messed up again today. But grace is what God does for us. And it cannot be accessed until we reach a point where it's beyond our ability. At some point, we reach the limit of our ability, of our talent, of our strength, of our intelligence, of our education, of our upbringing, of our control, of all of who we are, and we fall on or into the grace of God. And we have one of two choices, or three choices maybe. We either, you know, what did they say? Fight or flight, run. So I either fight, I get mad, or I run, I escape, I run, I hide, I blow up, I'm gonna fight, I abandon my faith, I throw down my cross, I'm tired of this, I lose myself in my distractions, I don't wanna hear this anymore, I don't wanna go through it anymore, I am tired, I am tired. And we have so many wonderful things and I'll just zong, Zombie out. I'll just escape. I'll find a bottle. I'll find a drug. I'll find something just to, huh? Or I'm ready to fight somebody. Okay. Come on. You want to fight? I'm ready. I'm ready to take you on. Or what's the third option? <laughs> When I fight, I'm going to get bitter. I'm going to get mad. 
I'm going to run, I'm going to build a wall, I'm going to escape, I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to be around anybody. It's just easier. It's easier to be, I, 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 I just don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. Or what's the third option? Fight, flight, or fall into the grace of God. That's it. Amen. That's when I say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I can't take it anymore. You got to help me. I'm so thankful that I know who you are. I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. I'm so thankful for your grace. You see, when I've reached my limit, fight or flight, or I ask for more grace, that's whenever I go. <clears throat> what did Paul say in Hebrews, the fourth chapter? Remember? He said, seeing then we have this great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hold on to what God's given you. For we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I know, Lord, you know what it feels like. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And then he says this powerful word, let us therefore come boldly unto the Throne of judgment, no, not judgment, the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Oh, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that rock. I gotta find grace. I don't wanna fail of the grace of God. You don't understand. Uh, you see, Hebrews 4, if you read that whole chapter, it starts with Paul teaching about the children of Israel not being able to access the rest that God wanted them to have. Why couldn't the children of Israel go out of Egypt and go right into the promised land after all the miracles because they lost faith. They lost faith in God. They didn't believe that God could bring them in. He brought them out, but he can't bring us in. Right? And then consequently, they got bitter. They got angry. We don't have onions. I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. No onions. When's the last time I had a, some protein in, in meat? Huh? God, what is this? We don't like our leaders. As a matter of fact, I think there are a bunch of us here that could lead as good as that guy. Huh? You remember? Not any of y'all. You all love me. I'm talking about what they did to him. Right? We don't like this. We don't like that. I don't like that green color. I don't like them seats. I don't like, I don't like these seats. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't like water. I don't like the flavor of the water. Came out of the rock. That's ignorant. Who ever heard of rock water? Strike it again, Moses. Ah. Huh? They were full of bitterness. Since when is Aaron so great? Since when is Moses so great? 
They kept comparing themselves to other nations. We're not like these people. We're not like that. How come we don't have a king? How come we don't have a this? How come we don't? And they were not able to keep their trust in God. Paul, Paul began to talk about some of this, and I know my time is, is going, but he says here, for we dare not make ourselves of, of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Why? Because we need grace to lay aside every weight and sin. We need grace to stand the pressure of serving God. We need grace to endure chastening. We need grace to maintain peace or holiness when you're dealing with other people. We may miss the mark in receiving God's grace. Then it's easy to get bitter and we start comparing ourselves. How come I? How come that? Why did this? That must be. They're not. And they did that, you know. Who did sin? This man or his mother? Who did? What's what? Well, I don't understand. Must be sin in the camp for our church to have to go through so many deaths, to have to go through so many sickness. Must be something wrong. Somebody's not praying the prayer of faith. Must be you, pastor. It probably is my fault. Pray for me. Plunge me into the grace of God. I need more grace. Because you know what? If I don't have grace, bitterness will start troubling me. And then you know what it does? It defiles other people. Instead of me encouraging someone or blessing someone or edifying someone or lifting someone up, I don't know. Must have been something wrong. I don't know why they, as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't know. This wouldn't, that wouldn't have happened if it went. Is that my job? Or am I supposed to bless those that curse you? Strengthen, edify. Encourage. If you keep reading back in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, he's very clear, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards he would have inherited the blessing, but he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, so he sought it carefully with tears. You see, when you study the history of Esau, and I know we all know that history, Esau and Jacob, and Jacob has the 12 sons and becomes named a prince of God in Israel, but Esau could not accept his limits. He was not willing to ask his parents, who do you think I should marry? He wanted to get married. He got married. He didn't care what his parents said. He didn't consider the consequences of worrying about his appetite more than his birthright. He wouldn't honor the boundaries. He wouldn't honor the limits. He wouldn't honor, you see, his birth order being the firstborn. He was supposed to be the one to carry the blessing. He was supposed to be the one to carry all of the the disciplines, all of the boundaries, all of the limits, all of the priestliness of the family. But he refused to do it. He didn't want it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be bothered with it. 
Oh yeah, his dad loved him, his talents pleased his father, but unfortunately he wouldn't please God because he would not let God direct him and carry him and correct him. And whenever his parents would say, we don't want you to marry that. I don't care what you want. I want to do my own thing. Isaiah says it like this, and I know my time is up. Sorry. Even to your old age, I am he. Even to your whore hairs. That means white hairs. Will I carry you? I have made, I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Ezekiel says, after he measured a thousand and it was a river I couldn't pass over and the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that couldn't be passed over. I put here float first. Brother Richard Lacey, I was bringing him home Sunday night and he said, you know, pastor, I don't know how to swim. And his company paid for him to have a membership at the Y and I said, well, they probably have lessons there. I said, but I can tell you how I learned how to swim and maybe you could have told him better, but I said I learned to float first. Grab hold of the side and float and float my legs out and then start kicking and then slowly let go with one hand and keep floating and floating and floating. And that was the first part of learning to swim. Face first in the water was floating, taking a deep breath, holding it, floating, then learning how to breathe on the side. Maybe you have a better way, but there's just something about floating in the presence of God. When the world is overwhelming, Isaiah 43 said, when you, when you pass through the waters, when you walk through the fire, not if, not if, you say, well, how am I going to get through it in this hour? Paul wrote in Ephesians, let me tell you how to get through it, is stay in the grace of God. What did he say? That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his <clears throat> power, by his spirit in the inner man, plunging into the Holy Ghost. That's what we have to do. That's why... You know, on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, on Monday, Tuesday, I've got to just pour myself into the grace of God. I've got to let the Spirit flow through me that Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith. That you being rooted and grounded in what? God loves me. I don't know why these people are so mad, but God loves me. I know God loves me. I know I've sinned, but God loves me. God's convicting me. I, it's a weight. I know I'm overwhelmed, but God loves me. I don't know why these people are, but God loves me. I don't know what the opposition is, but God loves me. I don't know what that, why they're saying what they're doing, but I know God loves me. Because if we could get that and we could comprehend the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of God which passes all knowledge that we could be filled with the fullness of God. 
Because when I am overwhelmed and getting bitter, I am not full of grace or full of the grace of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works unto us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ in ages, throughout all ages, world without end, amen. Looking diligently, lest any of us fail of the grace of God. Probably more than once, I have not been full of the grace of God. I've gotten overwhelmed and I have to say, Lord, Forgive me. I want to keep plunging in to that amazing grace of God. Would you stand? Oh, hallelujah. You will never experience this until you've reached the end of your rope. And when you've reached the end of your rope, you know, the old saying, tie a knot and hold on, I don't adhere to that. I say let go and fall backwards into the grace and the love of God and let it just overwhelm you and take you. That's why we say, you know, it's Sunday night, worship, praise, worship God. Why? Because I can tell you, you're not going to make it without getting bitter in this hour or angry or frustrated without the grace of God. <clears throat> let's just, let's worship. Hallelujah. Brother Jim, grace, say, hallelujah. Grace. God's